Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Good morning. Well, I know, I know, uh, I know, y'all can be talkative because I, I heard you all say howdy a minute ago. But I do want to tell you, you have a you have a high standard to to live up to. Uh, and I'm going to pray in just a moment. Uh, but uh, our our first service, the family service. We had lots of uh, we had lots of, of kiddos. I, I said it, it was appropriate that uh, we just rolled out of Acts two and Pentecost, where there was all kinds of crazy languages going on, uh, because we we had some languages this morning in the first service. Uh, we also had a screamer uh, who a few times I just had to stop and say amen to whatever. I mean, but she was eighteen months, so we gave her grace. So. Uh, uh, just, just uh, as a reminder, uh, th- this can be responsive. Uh, you can amen. I'm, I'm going to have you talking to your neighbor. Uh, but uh, there we go. Uh, but let me uh, let me pray, and then we're going to dive in this morning. Father, we uh, we come before you, and we're grateful for just another opportunity to um, God to open up your word. Um, and God, I pray right now that you would get me out of the way. I pray that you would give. Uh, just collectively give us the ears to hear and the eyes to see, the hearts to respond to your word. Um, and, and I pray, Spirit of God, that, that we would have an expectation of just meeting you here this morning. Um, and, and Spirit of God, that you would glorify the Son, Jesus, that you would be glorified, that we would uh, come away from, from the word um, just uh, challenged and, and spurred on Jesus to know you more, to walk in obedience. Um, and so we, we give this time to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you got your Bibles, uh, Acts chapter 3, as, as Tom just read, uh, we're, we're going to uh, pick it up in, in verse 11 in just a moment. But uh, history tells us that, that Thomas Jefferson uh, literally cut out uh, and pasted with a razor and, and glue uh, the parts of the Bible that he found distasteful. Uh, but just to put your mind at ease, it was only the miracles of Jesus and his resurrection. That was a joke, okay? He really did cut those parts out. But he, he, found, he found the parts that he liked, and he, he fashioned for himself a Jesus of Nazareth, uh, a, a moral Jesus of Nazareth. And that's kind of, that's, that's the, that, that was his Jesus. And unfortunately, uh, Jefferson missed uh, the, the big picture of the New Testament that Jesus was, was sovereign God of the universe and that he was sovereign Savior and, and Lord. Um, church, hopefully, uh, hopefully none of you are, are cutting up your, your Bibles and, and pasting pages back together with the parts you like. Like, I, I, hope, I hope you're not doing that. If you are, come talk to me after service. Uh, but, but this morning, I, I want to I start with just some, some, some questions of challenge. Uh, Christian, do you 
have a tendency to camp out on all the parts of scriptures that you like. And and, and do you have a tendency not only to do that, but to ignore or or maybe discard in one way or another, because we can do that different ways, uh, but discard the parts of Scripture that you don't like, or or maybe the ones that you struggle to understand, struggle to interpret, maybe struggle to imply. Do you dig in, Christian, to the hard words of Scripture? to the hard words of Christ, or uh, are are there times where you're tempted to contort this book to to fit your ideology or or your politics? You're like, oh no, I would never do that bull. (laughs) Or, or Or your preferences. See, we have... One of my fears is we have we have uh, two or three generations of Christians who we, we we've walked into Bible studies in small groups and, and we're we've kind of been programmed and asked, like, hey, like, what does this mean to you? Like, what does this mean for you? What is this? What is this? What does this book do for you? And we all want to like wax eloquent, at, but but we've got like our blinders on. We're in we've got tunnel vision. And, and, and so for many, they've never put all the pieces together into one unified whole, which which I believe in, in, in large part has has led us to this moment and led us to where we are, I think, as is a culture. Um, I, th- I think that's a big part of what's going on in this morning. I, I just want to say this. Let's put the pieces together. Amen. Let's put some of these pieces together uh, on on not only our, our hope for healing, because that's what this passage is about. It's about the miracle of healing. But also, let's put the pieces together on our hope of eternity. Uh, so if you got your Bibles, um, Acts 3, 11 through 21, and, and, and I just, uh, I, I didn't really know what to call it. The title of this message is, is, is Healing Heaven and Half the Gospel. Um, and the first thing that, that I want to I dig into uh, is we look at verses 11 and 12. And, and Tom actually, uh, he, he, he's already, hey, 11 picks up where 10 left off. And, and, and so as you look at verse 11, well, it says he clung to Peter. Who's the he? Well, there, there was this man who had been born lame from birth, right? And he had just been miraculously healed. And so the first point I want to make this morning is this. Healing is not accomplished through the power or the righteousness of man. Amen? Healing is not accomplished through the power or the righteousness of man. I want you to look at your neighbor say, not through man. Not through man. So, so uh, church, sorry I threw you off there. Church, get, get this picture. The outer, the outer courts of the temple would, would have been buzzing with, with excitement. And the text tells us that, that, that the, Peter, the, the, the people were astonished, right? They, they were astonished. It's this Greek word. It's kind of a mix of like amazement and alarm. So, so if, you, if you get this picture, it's like, man, this is really cool, but I also just peed my pants a little bit. So that, that's kind of like the overwhelming, that's, that's what the Greek says, okay? Um, last week, uh, we saw that this formerly lame uh, brother was like, uh, you know, he's up on his feet, he's running, he's, he's leaping, he's praising God, but here we, we see him clinging to Peter, 
uh, and, and to John, but, but not because he needed support to stand. You almost get this sense that he didn't want to let go of the moment. And he definitely didn't want to let go of, of the, the dudes who had just brought the healing. So, so this crowd, uh, the text tells us that this crowd gathers under Solomon's portico. This, this would have been just outside the court of Gentiles on the east side of the temple. Uh, Solomon's portico was, was this covered porch that was supported and held up by, by several, several columns. And it was a, it was a popular uh, spot for the early church to gather and to worship and to proclaim Jesus. And, and so, I mean, I, I want you to put yourself there. You could probably cut the anticipation and the tension with, with, with a knife. The throng comes together and Peter opens up his mouth and he's, he's, about, to, he's about to speak. And, and keep in mind, this is Peter. Right, this is Peter who jumped out of the boat and is like, "I'm going to walk on the water with Jesus." This is Peter who had professed like his undying devotion to Jesus. He's like, "I will not deny you. I will die with you." Okay, buddy. Uh, this is Peter who, like a stealthy ninja in the garden, like sliced off a dude's ear. Like, I don't even know how you do that. But Malchus, the temple servant, he he sliced off his ear. Jesus, is like, hold up, puts it back. This is Peter. Very self-confident Peter, but post-cross, post-resurrection, post-Pentecost, post-Holy Spirit coming and indwelling the church, Peter had learned a lesson. It's not about him. It's not about him. He says, not by our own power, not by, not by our own piety, not by our power, not by our own righteousness or godliness. Uh, church, let me, let me help you connect some, some dots. Anytime you see the activity of Satan, and you got to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. There, anytime you see the activity of Satan, there is a, there is a questioning of God. Right? There, there's, there's, a, there's a questioning of, of God's motives and His intentions towards His creation, towards man. And there's also a supplanting of the authority of God and the glory of God, always. And so on the practical tip, it, listen, if, if you want to grow in your discernment church of, of world religions, of cults, of false prophets, false prophecies, uh, and even I would add, just grow in your discernment of cultural movements and ideologies and theories, ask this question, who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? Is it, is it God or is it man? And, and, and also ask, who ultimately does the work? Who ultimately does the work? Is it, is it God or is it man? And so often what you'll find is you'll find humanism. You will find humanism. And, and, and I, I, I want to, just for clarification, this is the definition of humanism. It is an outlook or system of thought attaching prime importance to human rather than divine or supernatural matters. Humanist belief stresses the potential value and goodness of human beings, emphasizes common human needs, and seeks solely rational ways of solving human problems. And if you don't see that going on right now, you're not paying attention. 
you'll see humanism so often lurking in seemingly religious movements and in seemingly uh, movements of, of peace and in movements that are offering solutions to what are ultimately deeply spiritual problems rooted in the depravity of people's hearts. Peter, listen, Peter had his slip-ups, but he learned all glory goes to God because healing cannot come through the power or the righteousness, the godliness of man. This past week, I... Uh, I had the opportunity on Thursday morning, I got together with, with several uh, uh, mostly African-American pastors that are the pastor churches in Bryan, and, and we got together uh, for about an hour and a half, two hours, prayed, and uh, I want to tell you, tomorrow, pastors from all over Bryan College Station are gathering tomorrow on the steps of City Hall it's six o'clock and we're not getting yoked up with a political movement. We're not coming out to support uh, an, this organization or this group, but brown, black and white pastors are, are going to meet together in solidarity to make a biblically informed statement uh, to take a stand against racism, against injustice, and ultimately to point to a healing that can only come from Jesus. Amen? And so I, I, would, I would covet your, your prayers as I was meeting with these men, most of whom are 20 and 25 and 30 years my senior. I, I said, brothers, could we, could we just have someone read Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, that, that Christ has broken down the dividing wall of hostility, that he's taken the two men and made them one, and that in Christ, that he is our peace. And uh, uh, one, of, one of the lead pastors said, well, Pastor Brooks, looks like you're reading Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. So y'all uh, pray for me. Uh, but I am, I'm truly, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. I would invite you to come. We're, we're going to be 6 o'clock on the steps of City Hall in Bryan tomorrow. So listen, there is much. Don't hear what I'm not saying. There is much that need, people need to be doing right now in regard to matters of injustice. And, and, not, and not just racial injustice, but we've got to understand something. All of our human exertion and even all of our great piety and righteousness cannot accomplish what only God can do. Amen? And so the real healing must come on the heart level. And only, Peter understood, only God is in the business of healing human hearts. And uh, I, I know Dr. Wiggly heals hearts too, but just not, just not spiritually. Second point this morning, healing comes through the power of the whole gospel. Healing comes, as we look at verses 13 through 18 and into 19, healing comes through the power of the whole gospel. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, whole gospel. And we're going to unpack that. See, last week we said the miracles of Christ, or the, the miracles of the apostles, they were not standalone events. Okay, miracles, they, they always validated the message of Christ. They validated His crucifixion and His resurrection. And so in verse 13, 
Peter launches into the meat of the message. And, and let me say this, just because, just because this brother had learned to defer glory to God does not mean that he was uh, like politically correct, okay? Uh, because you're going to see, uh, brother is not politically correct here. Peter, like right in the heart of the temple, right? Surrounded by Israelites, surrounded by Jewish religious leaders who uh, more than likely, uh, they, they were there. They had just presided over this mock trial that, that Jesus had gone through. They presided over his execution. And that's, that's who Peter's, he's got some of those guys mixed in the crowd and he doesn't hesitate to deliver some harsh words. Brother, he does not hold back. So Peter makes some sharp contrast by pointing out, yes, the positives of who Jesus was, but also the negative of how people reacted uh, to him, to his who he was and what he came to accomplish. So as you look at verse, look at verse 13 in the text, and we also see it in, in verse 18. Peter says that Jesus is the glorified servant. And it, it makes you think of uh, Mark 10, 45, where Jesus said, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But ultimately, Peter's pointing all the way back to the prophet, the, the, this prophecy of Isaiah. As you look at Isaiah 52 and 53, see, Isaiah spoke of, of this servant of God who would come. He would bear the griefs and carry the sorrows of Israel. He would be pierced and crushed for people's sins. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. He would bring peace. Isaiah 53, 6. And though innocent, his life would be taken from him. Isaiah 53, 8. But following this atoning death in Isaiah 53, 10, it says that his days would be prolonged again pointing to resurrection then ultimately Isaiah 53:11 that many would come to be counted righteous because of this righteous servant and that all like that all sounds really good right like we were like amen and Peter says yeah except you handed that guy over to be killed he, you handed that guy over to be killed and even worse you disowned one of your own before a gentile ruler pilot who had already declared him innocent peter goes on in verse 14 he says jesus is the holy and righteous one he is the holy and righteous one he was literally the embodiment of god's righteousness in human flesh and see, for, for a nation that was so, man, they were so enamored with the law and, 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 and righteousness, right? So they, they had, the, they had the, the Torah, the, the five written books of the law. They had the Mishnah, the oral tradition of the law, where they had another 600 plus laws that they loved to be all about. And they, they hung the law on, on their, their, their necks and their bodies with these phylacteries. And they walked around. They were, they're so enamored with the law and righteousness, but they didn't, un, they didn't recognize the embodiment of righteousness when he was right in front of them. He's right in front of them. And, and, and not only that, so much so that Peter continues with the contrast and reminds them they demanded the release of a murdering insurrectionist instead of the re release of the perfectly righteous one. 
And then look at verse 15. Paul says, Jesus, he's the author. He is the author of life. Back in the fall, as we were rolling through Colossians, we, we looked at Colossians 1, 15 through 17. Paul says in Colossians 1, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn. He is the source of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And in and he, Jesus, is before all things. And in Jesus, all things hold together. And so how do you like how in the world do you kill the author of life? Like how how does that work? The short answer is you don't. I mean, they did, but God raised Jesus from the dead precisely because the sentence of death was reserved for sinners. God raised Jesus from the dead precisely because the sentence of death was reserved for sinners. The death penalty is, is for those who have fallen short of the standard and the glory of God. And Jesus did not fit that bill. But oh, church, the irony, the irony that Israel, the people of Israel, literally killed the one who had spoken the world into existence. They, they killed, they crucified the one who not only was the source of their physical life, but also the, the, their hope of spiritual and eternal life and the only one that could restore them to the Father. And, and you get to verse 16, and this is, this is the crux. Look at, look at verse 16. This is, this is not only the crux verse, it's, it's also the response to verse 12. Because as you get to verse 16, you say, where does the healing come from? Church, it comes from Jesus. Amen? It comes from Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus and through faith in who He is and what He came to accomplish. Uh, there's, listen, there's power in His name. Not in this like hokey name it, claim it kind of way. Uh, it's not that we get to slap the name of Jesus on every fleshly desire or outcome. Lord, I know, I know I have not studied for this test, but in Jesus' name, so I'm going to get an A now. no. Listen, we're going to get there, but in Acts 19, you see this. There's this Jewish priest named Sceva. I don't know what kind of name that is, but he had seven sons. And in Acts 19, these seven sons of this Jewish priest, they thought it would be really cute to evoke the name of Jesus as they're trying to cast out demons. They're like, Paul's doing it. Let's try it. So they roll up on a demon-possessed dude, and they're like, in the name of Jesus. And the demon straight up is like, yeah, Paul I know. And at that point, they probably they they probably should have just bailed out right there. He's like, I, I don't I don't know you. And they paid a pretty steep price. But here here's the key. When those who have been redeemed and restored by Jesus speak the name of Jesus. And live out the implications of the gospel, the forces of hell, y'all, they take note. Because all the forces of hell know they, they may have a very limited reign right now, but their time is limited because the king's work is finished, and now it's just a matter of when the king returns. And so, as we get to verse 17, at this point, Peter, he, he, uh, he lets up a little bit and he, he drops a gracious word, kind of. And he says, listen, I know, I know, 
Y'all were just ignorant. Super gracious of Peter. Um, you didn't know what you were doing. And, 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 and honestly, it, that, that piece reminds us of Christ at the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they, they, don't, know, they, don't, they don't know what they're doing. And here's the, here's the application with this. Only Jesus can, can bring complete healing, but, but here's where we are. And I, I touched on this last week, church family. Um, we've got to quit. We've got to stop piecemealing the gospel. We, we've got to stop just giving uh, uh, people our, like your, your favorite part of the gospel. We, we've got to give them the, the, the full gospel. And, and here's, here's what I don't mean by full gospel. <laughs> when I say full gospel, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about like the Pentecostal term, right? Because uh, Pentecostalism, they use the term full gospel, and it means like the gospel of, of Jesus has to be accompanied with tongues and signs and all these like crazy visible manifestations. Uh, that Listen, um, of, of the Holy Spirit, that, that's that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. In fact, I remember as a youth pastor, uh, having a lady at our church came and she gave me like this 200-page manual on how to speak in tongues. And I'm like, I, like hey, I, like, I thought th- this is like a gift, like a gift of the Holy Spirit. Like I, so the manual, I don't understand the manual part. She didn't know what I was talking about. Um, no, here's what I mean. I'm ready to hijack that term, full gospel, whole gospel, back into a theological framework that is actually helpful for the church, that we actually need to hear right now. The full gospel, listen, it is Christ crucified and raised, but it is redemption and restoration. We talked about this last week. And so, yes, Christian, you are redeemed. You're your sins are forgiven because Christ died a horrible death on a Roman cross for you. you. Yes, Christian, you have victory. You have victory because Jesus physically rose from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Yes, you, you have a, a, your identity is secured in Christ as is your future inheritance in, in His kingdom. But don't, listen, don't stop there. Don't stop there. Think about the text. Jesus didn't take the posture of a servant just for you. He wasn't the holy and righteous one. He he didn't come as the holy and righteous one just to make you righteous. He's not the author of life just for you, Christian. He is reconciling and restoring a people from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language to himself. Amen. Second Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, we are ministers of reconciliation. We are his ambassadors. Let's represent him well. Let's represent his heart and his love and his righteousness and his justice well. But see, on the other side, listen, if you find yourself talking about a world where there's no injustice, a world where there's no racism, where there's perfect equality, 
know that you're talking about a kingdom that only Jesus can usher in. So, so here's my point. You can't be about the mission of restoration without reminding people that they have to go through a bloody cross to get there. Let me say that again. You can't be about the mission of restoration without reminding people that they have to go through a bloody cross to get there. See, without redemption, without hearts that are set free from the bondage of sin, there can be no reconciliation and no restoration. Third thing, and then we're done this morning. As we look at verses 19 through 21, and, 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 and for, for uh, the kid who grew up uh, in, in the little bitty Baptist church in Angleton, Texas, uh, uh, this, this, might, this might have come as a, as, a, as a shock to hear this point, but, uh, but I'm going to unpack it for us. Point number three is this. Heaven is not our final landing spot. Heaven is not our final landing spot. Once you look at your neighbor, say landing spot. So in verse 19, Peter says, when we collectively repent of sin, we can look forward to these times of refreshing. In, in, in Hebrews, the, the, the language is, is one of long-awaited rest. Verse 20, that, that he may send the Messiah. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, thought, I thought that the Messiah had already come. Yeah, he did. But he came as the suffering servant. He came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He will come again as the Lion of Judah who will fulfill these Old Testament prophecies to restore all things back to God, to, to make all things new, to make all things right, and He will usher in His eternal kingdom, wait for it, over the earth. Over the earth. Verse 21 says, Heaven must receive Him until the time comes for God to restore, what's that word? Everything. I want you all to repeat that. Everything. Everything. Man, church, what a, what a hope as we look around and we see all the, the craziness. God's Word says that He will restore everything. But church, our, our hope in our final landing spot, it's not in heaven. It's not in this ethereal place where we get to escape all the problems and the woes of this world. A, a place where we just kind of uh, float around, uh, our souls float around for all eternity, hanging out in our mansions, right? FYI, the Greek word is dwelling places. Um, no, our final landing spot is a perfect new recreated earth where Jesus sets up shop and he does what we could never do and he perfectly perfectly represents God's rule and God's reign and God's dominion as Lord and King yes Jesus is in heaven right now preparing a place for you John chapter 14 
Absolutely. And yes, Christian, if you were to die right now, you uh, heaven would be your next pit stop. But but we need this this sort of eschatological reminder. Our eternity is not about escaping the earth. It's about dwelling on the earth as it should be. Our eternity is not about escaping the earth. It's about dwelling on the earth as it should be. All things new, all things right, and all about Jesus. So, so in the eternal scheme of things, it doesn't, doesn't matter how bad things look. It doesn't matter the current conflict, the turmoil, the division. Do, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like it, 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 will, it may get worse. Christians, listen, uh, to the point of Christians losing their lives. As is, is Ross King says, we, we know how this thing ends. I just want you to know it doesn't en- end in heaven for you, Christian. It ends with Jesus on a perfectly restored and recreated earth. Now close with this. This past week, I, I saw someone on social media lamenting um, the fact that too many people in the church keep talking about the, the, the need for healing um, being an issue of, of the heart. And, and here, here's the deal. I, I think I understand that sentiment. I, I do. And, 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 I, and, and, and the, the fatigue associated with an American church that wants to talk about the heart and then only live out half the gospel. I get that. But the minute you take the emphasis off of the human heart, you don't have to be accountable before God for your sin. You you can point to the very, very real problems and issues and evils of the world and the problems and the issues and the evils and others, but ignore your own depravity and the bitterness and the hatred that's lurking in the, the dark recesses and corners of your own heart. And it, and it becomes this toxic culture. It comes, becomes this toxic environment and this toxic culture where, where everyone is, is, there's just anger and there's bitterness and there's guilt and there's blame and there is gracelessness. Church, this is not the picture of 1 John 4. This is not the picture of 1 John 4, 19-21 where the Apostle said, we love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must love his brother. My fear is, is, is we, as we look around, like this, is, this is not freedom. This is not, this is not healing. And it's because the way forward, and it goes all the way back to the text, the way forward is not through the power or the righteousness of man. Our freedom and our healing was secured through the crucifixion 
in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Him. Our hope is in His return. Our hope is in an earth ruled by Him. Our hope is in the promises of God and in the Word of God. The question in this, is this morning, where are you looking for healing? Where, where are you looking for hope? Y'all pray with me this morning.